Disturbing Interest is a Horrible Histories, Terrible Mysteries podcast. The past, and sometimes the present, are often a bleak place. Listener discretion is advised. If you're a fan of Disturbing Interests, please like and subscribe. And for the love of God, tell a friend about us. Pretend you're a Mormon. Go door to door with the good news of Disturbing Interests. Preach our gospel, brothers and sisters, and non-gender binary siblings, to the world at large. Because remember, with us, you might be disturbed, but you're not alone. Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I am Regina King, your evil queen, and sitting in her own lovely house is my ever-beautiful partner. Hi, I'm Lynn, your docent of darkness, and sweating, because it's real hot here right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. In fact, I've got my window open, so you may hear the sounds of the hood. I'm trying to also, like, muffle myself into a pillow, though. Don't suffocate. Don't don't suffocate yourself for art. I, I kind of feel like I am. Not gonna lie. I think you here you're just gonna hear the whoosh of my air conditioning unit, so sorry about that. Yeah, so sorry if you get interesting audio quality on this one. This is <laughs> definitely not the one for interesting audio quality because of our subject matter today. But, you know, it is what it is. Yep. That's, I think that's the 2022 motto is it is what it is. It's been a, it's a, been a real fuckity year so far. We are just in the slowest, stupidest apocalypse ever. Right? I'm just, I don't enjoy the end times because I got to work during the end times. Like I thought I would have at least the end times off to, I don't know, shoot marauding mutants outside my front door with like a flaming arrow or something like that. But no, I still have to go to work. I hate this. Right? I was promised leather studs, a gimp and a motorcycle and and some heavy metal music. Like what the fuck? I got the heavy metal, but that's it. You know, Mm, sucks, man. Sucks. All right. Well, we've got some announcements today. In fact, we got a whole lot of announcements today. <laughs> okay, so our announcements. First and foremost, we would like to thank Maggie's Caskets on Etsy for the amazing shirts she made. Uh, it They're amazing. They're for the cast, and she sent them to us. Um, check out her work, Maggie's Casket on Etsy. We also posted pics on our social medias and my TikTok because, you know, I very, very, very sporadically TikTok, much like I very sporadically do anything else in my life these days. Right. I'm too old. I I can watch a TikTok, but I I don't know that I could make a TikTok. I don't. Yikes. I'm sorry. I've seen some of the videos you make over your art. You could totally make a TikTok. I'm trying the YouTube. We're trying that later this year with like how to make prints and be really soothing while you do it. Uh, so maybe, maybe I'll just condense those to TikTok. I don't know. TikTok to me is like, if you don't have ADHD, just, just let the TikTok roll and you will understand what it's like to have ADHD. It makes me question if I do have ADHD. Oh, good God. It's yeah. It's like, wow, this is, this is what the inside of my head's like. I love that for me. Speaking of busy, so uh, more announcements. We are super busy for the rest of the year. Bringing y'all content. Weird content. Yeah, and lots of it. So we have live shows coming up. We are going to be performing at Pacific Northwest True Crime Festival. 
October 8th and 9th, we will be there. We're going to be performing one of those days. We don't know which one yet. And you can use our promo code if you want to, Disturbing15, to get 15% off. Please, please, please come and check us out, Disturbing15. And also, we are going to do a giveaway. If you would like to participate and maybe not pay for those tickets, because I don't know, we're all ballers on a budget because, I don't know, we drive and gas cost a million dollars per gallon. To say nothing of food. Wow, the grocery store. I feel like a high roller, just like buying beets. Yep. If you want to participate in our giveaway, just repost our promo for Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest on your social medias and tag us and you will be entered to win a free pair of tickets. We will announce the winner on our episode dropping in September. The last day to enter will be what day, Lynn? August 31st. That's right. August 31st. So you can go ahead and repost, post as many times as you want to. I, I'm all for giving you multiple entries. Yeah, why not? Yeah. We make the rules, I, I think. Do <laughs> we, we live by the cuff. I don't know. I don't know anymore either. We're recording this at the, at the end of our day, guys. So we're kind of punchy. And I just wrestled the cat to the vet. That was super fun. So he's good. He's good. Yes. Had a recheck. Mr. Jones, I am happy to say, has beaten the first kind of cancer that he has. The bad, the really bad kind. Gone, done, finished, and now he just has the low-key chill cancer that he just takes a pill once a month and should be fine for, like, ever on. So, go, Mr. Jones. Do I hear middle-aged men gaming in the background? Oh, yeah, there's middle-aged men gaming in my uh, living room. So, if you hear, like, <laughs> middle-aged men in the background, that's that's what that is. Yeah. In your neighborhood, we hear sounds of the geek. In my neighborhood, we hear sounds of the hood. We live in very different neighborhoods in the city. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah, mine is a nice, boring... Well, it started out like a cheap neighborhood, and now nowhere is a cheap neighborhood in Seattle because, yeah, yeah, that's because that's the rules. Uh, Stupidest apocalypse ever. Oh, my God. All right, on to the next announcement. It is another live show. Lynn, you want to take this one? Sure. So I'm part of an artist collective, because of course I am, called the Greenwood Art Collective in, I know this will shock you, Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And we have an interesting, weird space upstairs. Uh, We're all in the basement. It's the basement of art, because we can afford a basement. But we also have this really strange, funky space upstairs that gets used for art shows and music shows. And we're having like a poetry spoken word festival thing in August. But I believe in November, we will be doing a live taping of uh, Crimes of Art at the Greenwood Art Collective. So we'll let you know more about it as it gets closer and things like that. So something to look forward to. So... Crime, art, things we're into, sure. things you've heard us be into, and hopefully you're into it enough that you're still here. So, And if you're not, then you, you're probably not interested or hearing this announcement. Right? You're just forwarding to the horror. We also had it brought to our attention recently by one of our listeners that our Patreon was broken. It has now been fixed. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for our dear listener who made me aware of that. And anyone who wants to join our Patreon, we will give you extra content. We will give you extra stuff. We will love you. Patreon is how I live our dream. Yes, toss a coin to your bitchers is what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair. Oh, and merch is coming. Yes. Speaking of tossing a coin at your bitchers. Right. We will be posting merch soon on our webpage. Links on our social medias and maybe, maybe, maybe even selling it and doing giveaways at our booth at True Crime Fest. Because we will have a booth on Podcast Row. Yes, Come by, will. say hi. You'll actually get to see our disturbed asses in person. You just, just wow. you at least get to see our disturbed eyeballs because we're both going to be wearing like fabulous face gear because uh, the pandemic i like to remind everyone still happening so yeah i don't know about that i may just rock out a full plague doctor costume nice. because you know it's me i was gonna go with one of those yellow suits from contagion i thought that might be nice kind of classy sexy yeah sexy yeah Okay, Disturbing Travels. Hey, we have been joking about Disturbing Travels for almost four years now. We are in our fourth season, people. And we're almost done with this season. So, yeah, four years we've been joking about this. And guess what? We're doing it. We're pulling the trigger. Yes, we are. It's going to be in the format of an extra episode for you all. And, and... Lynn mentioned the YouTube earlier, and yes, I'm calling it the YouTube because I am an old, You're an old, as Lynn says. But yeah, we are going to be going on forays out into the middle of nowhere, hunting spooky shit, doing spooky stuff, or possibly interviewing spooky folks. We don't know. We like adventures. We like the weird. We are the weird. And we like you. So we are taking you along with us on this dog and pony show on the road. On the road to Spokane. That's our first stop. Spokanistan for our first episode. So that right. we are hoping to do that sometime in August, which is just an insane time to go to Spokane. But it is also the time when our local correspondent, Professor Jay, is actually off school. So that's probably where we're going to do it. So, yes, he's our, our, our local guide to Spokane. We do appreciate having our local guide, who's just delightful as yes. a person, too. You guys will really like him. Dr. Jay. Dr. Jay. Doctor of Cryptology. Yes. Doctor of Bullshitology. There you go. Okay, so that's exciting. And remember, every coin you throw to your bitcher will go towards disturbing travels and possibly somebody to produce this whole nonsense other than us. Yeah, we'll sound better than we do. Yes. All right. And last but not least, follow us on our social medias and stay tuned to appearances, guest spots, and updates from us in the coming months. Because seriously, we have so much coming up in the next few months. It's... I might cry. Yeah, it's a real wild time for us. It's way more active than we normally are at this time of year. We're normally like beginning to wrap things up because, you know, following Christmas is real busy for us. But this year, I guess we are just like amping it up until December. Yeah, it was the 
weirdest of times, it was the worst of times. Uh, let's do this. Sure, why not? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, things seem to be moving and shaking this year more and more for us. And it's all thanks to you, our dear disturbed friends. Please keep spreading the disturbed word and telling others about us. I mean, really, this is the way that we keep growing is because of you. And until this little side hustle of ours one day just becomes our main hustle, you know, that dream happens because of you guys. So we're on Twitter at podcast underscore DI, on Facebook at the Disturbing Interest Podcast, on Instagram at DI Podcast, or you can always email us at disturbinginterest at gmail.com. Remember, on Twitter and Gmail, you will get me. And on Facebook and Instagram, you will get Lynn. So pick your poison. We're both a couple of crazy-ass bitches. Sure. You're yeah. better at replying to people. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. It's someone. Okay. Yeah. I do pull out the I know how to write an email hat Ugh. and reply to people. Anyhow. What are you drinking today, my friend? Well, uh, because the person we're talking about is a cold-hearted snake, look him in the eye. Whoa-oh, he's been telling lies. I found a can called Vipra Rosso Dolce Sweet Red Prodotto in Italia. So it's fizzy, sweet can of red wine with a snake on the front of it. It suggests that it's delicately sweet and slightly fizzy when served chilled, this wine becomes lively and succulent. Get it the bite and share the experience to fall in love. Oh, okay. All right. Well, um, okay, sure. Why not? But I'm going to give it a try. I also chose it too because it's it's a small can and I'm already like tired and sleepy. So I'll be like, you should know me if it, if it wasn't by the end of the show. You don't know my life. So I'm going to try to open this. Wow, this thing is like not giving up the goods. Okay, here we go. That was a good pop. Yeah. I mean, it smells fine. It, I'm not scared yet. Wow. Oh, wow. That, I mean, okay. It's a little grape jammy. It's very Lambrusco. It's got that Lambrusco. Oh, okay. Maybe a little port-like. It's like a fizzy port. I mean, it's delicately sweet. I don't know about delicate, but it's sure sweet. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's... It's as delicate as maple syrup. Yeah, it's um. I mean, this is some this is some smuckers going on right there. That's real sweet. It's not <laughs> bad, but it's definitely sweet. Yeah, I, I it's I guess it's not bad. It but it's um my te- oh my teeth feel fuzzy now. Yeah, no, it's it's uh got a snake on it. Snakes are good, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, my Slytherin self would have gravitated toward that oh, game and then ended up in shock. Yeah, you. This is um, woo. This is some like, all, your pancreas, your liver, your kidney. All of that is just like, why are you doing this? Why? Why would you do that? So yeah, it's 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 something. It's something. All right. Oh, I did forget one thing. There is going to be a change to the show, folks, but in a good way. So we are living through the slowest, stupidest apocalypse, the fuckitiest timelines. And I've had so many people ask me, like, in my personal life, what they can do. And so, in response, because so many of us are wondering, what can we do about so many things that are going on right now? How can we personally make a difference? At the end of every one of our shows, we are starting a segment called Do Something. 
and we are going to give you some piece of information about a place you can reach out to, a source of information you can check in on yourself, where you might be able to actually apply it and do something if you so choose. We're not telling you you have to, but we're asking you if you feel like it, please do. Because let's face it, the people we've elected aren't going to do shit. Nope. They sure aren't. Not in the U.S. at least. (laughs) Mutual aid, motherfuckers. Mutual aid. Yeah. So anyway. Please, you have something delightfully silly for us. I do. And this is like, I feel like people are either going to really enjoy this or be like, oh my God, you are so not treating this with the gravity that it deserves. Because I, I've seen the discussions people have on true crime forums and they're, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting split. But I have a song for you. God help us all. Please understand, though, we get that this is not being treated with the gravity that it des- it deserves with this song. We understand yes. that. We are trying to make some light and silly out of the situation before going into the deep and dark. Because I will give it that gravity. And we all know I go dark. Yes. And the fact that this is a particular subject that people seem to be really fascinated about and kind of like oh my god he's kind of cute i'm like are you on crack do you do you seriously do you drink gasoline do you siphon gasoline out of cars and then smell it like because that this no this guy isn't charming this guy isn't cute this this guy is a sleaze and a slime and a very bad man so he's a fucking monster yes he's a nightmare and so thinking about that i was like okay this is my this is my song I'm channeling Susanna Hoffs at the Bangles. Also, sorry, the Bangles, really, truly, please don't, don't hate me. True crime program time already. I was just in the middle of a dream. I had caught the Zodiac Killer by a crystal blue no-cow stream. But that's not fate because we don't have any DNA. So we have to talk about a different shitbird who nearly got away. Well, I just really hate Ted Bundy. Oh, oh, wish I could shoot him with a gundy. Oh, oh, if I saw him, I would run D. Oh, oh, don't know why folks find him fundy. Oh, oh, cause I just really hate Ted Bundy. All of the crimes, why did the people have to pick this awful ass clown? Doesn't it matter that all of his victims probably haven't been found? He lulled and ruled with his boyish ways. Hotline helper at night, killer by days. White boy privilege goes so hard when you look like him. And I just really hate Ted Bundy. Oh, oh, wish I could shoot him with the Gundy. Oh, if I saw him, I would run D. Oh, don't know why folks find him funny. Cause I just really hate Ted Bundy. So now you know who we're going to do a song about. And I really genuinely hate Ted Bundy. I think if you live in Seattle, you just are like, oh, that fucking guy again. Yes. You know? Yes. Between him and the Green River Killer. And I feel like everybody here is like one degree of separation or two. Oh, yeah. I actually talk about uh, here in my notes coming up. I I will go over that a little bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Like I, we, I know somebody who worked with the Green River Killer and I know somebody that had a very scary run-in with somebody that they believe was probably Ted Bundy back in the 70s. So like, yikes, you know, uh, yeah. he's like, these assholes are just present in in the air and the water here. And I, I hate talking about them, but our listeners wanted old Theodore Bund. So that's, we're going to, we're giving the people what they want. Yep. So we're going to talk about this ass clown and then we never have to do it again. Yeah, this is, this is the only time, folks. This is the okay. only time. I have been elbow deep in Bundy for way longer Ugh. than I ever thought I would be. And that is gross. I think of him as that fucking guy. That fucking guy. Tell me about that fucking guy. Ted Bundy. So for this episode, I referenced more sources than I remembered to write down. So I, uh, I failed y'all. Sorry. There is an absolute plethora of material out there about this horror show. In my notes, I recommend a couple of different materials. Of course, I would always like to remind you, our valued listeners, to kick Wikipedia a couple of bucks if you can, because we always use Wikipedia. I will also post some copies uh, from some of the local Seattle newspapers to our social medias. So... A quote from the monster himself. I used to see a good-looking girl, and one minute, I'd think how nice it would be to go out with her. And in the next instant, I'd think how nice her head would look on a stick. Oh, this fucking guy. What is it that fuels our continued obsession with Ted Mundy? Was it that he's well-documented for sharing his thoughts and machinations of the mind of a serial killer? Was it how handsome so many people found him? Or was it the fact that he was the stereotypical good guy model of that era? The one that fathers would have been thrilled to see their daughters bring home. A charming guy with an easy laugh, a budding young law student who was actively involved in politics with the Republican Party, what parent wouldn't have been pleased with him turning up to court their kid, right? Especially during that time. Is that what draws us? Or perhaps it was all of these things that cause us to return time and time again to Bundy. I know for me, I keep getting sucked back in because of the psychology aspect of it. However, we were talking about the five degrees of Bundy. Oh, there's a plane. Can you hear the plane? I can't hear the plane. I'm probably not over the middle-aged guys or my air conditioner. See, Ted Bundy could absolutely be sneaking up on me right now. I, you know, as long as you guys don't pick gunshots up, I'm feeling pretty good about this. Actually, I feel safe. A serial killer would be tripped and would fall down the stairs. Cause I'm up in an attic because the cat would run at him. So there you go. Kesu is my one defense. Ah, uh, Kesu for the win. Anyway, like we were just saying earlier, the five degrees of Bundy, we all in the Pacific Northwest play that. I mean, you just can't help it. Bundy wanted people to understand him. Maybe because of his narcissism. Oh, we're just going to dive right into it here. Are you ready? <laughs> Well, let's do it. Bundy's childhood. 
both of his grandparents were mentally ill. Now, not that there's anything wrong with that. There are many of us who have our struggles. But unfortunately, this was not the happy, fluffy time where people talked about mental illness and actually got help. And his grandfather was abusive. He called him horrible things, and it wasn't found out until much later. His mother was a teenage mother, and his grandparents ended up raising him until the age of five, and they made him think that his mother was his sister during that time. Allegedly, he claimed to a neighbor that his mother admitted to him that his grandfather was actually his father, but that's not been confirmed. They do have his DNA on file, and I'm sure they could confirm it, but they never have. At five, he moved with his mother to Washington, where he grew up. Ted was known to torment the younger children in the neighborhood. He tortured animals, set fires, you know, all the typical warning signs. He was very close to his younger brother, though, as he grew up. And it's heartbreaking how much trauma his brother still clearly feels to this day because of how he idolized Ted at one time. It's suspected that his first murder might have been at 14 years old. An eight-year-old girl was abducted along his paper route, and one of the only pieces of evidence was a shoe print that looked to belong to a teenager due to the size. However, he always denied culpability, but Bundy had this thing where he always refused to discuss his child victims. So we don't know, and we won't know, unless DNA evidence ends up linking him. However, let's dive into his most known crimes. Because let me tell you what, I got pages of this stuff, and there's no way I would be able to go into all of them without this being multiple episodes. On January 4th, 1974, 20-year-old Karen Sparks, the first documented Bundy victim, was attacked in her bedroom in the U District here in Seattle. The U District is the university district, for those of you who are not native satellites? Seattleites? Seattleites? I want it to be satellites so bad. (laughs) Bump, 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 Seattleites of love. Bump, bump, bump. Never mind. Sorry. Sorry, Lurie. Sorry. (sighs) I just want it to be satellites now. Sorry. Back to the horror. He attacked her here in the U District. He bludgeoned her with the bed frame from her bed and assaulted her, leaving her for dead. Fortunately, she lived despite laying wounded between 18 to 20 hours. But she still suffers from side effects to this day. She's rarely ever spoken out, and hearing her talk about it, it's still very traumatic. Now, folks... Bundy isn't a happy-go-lucky romp of a story. This is going to get dark. Like, there were times I had to walk away from it. And it might be because it's literally close to home. Right. It might be because we know people who almost were Bundy victims, or their family members were, or friends. It might be because this is just a bad topic. But this is the last warning you're getting before we really dive in. Yeah, he had such a long shadow over this whole region, you know? 
And I'm sure he loved it. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that I hate is that this is totally, this was great for him. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know why people are like, oh, my God, he's fascinating. Like, he's not. He's a dick, you know? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to say, like, from a psychology standpoint and, like, behavioral study standpoint, I do find him very interesting. But he was a narcissist. He was a sociopath. And he was a pathological liar. He, well, maybe not a pathological liar, but he was definitely a liar. Anyway, he was bad dude. Bad dude. One hundo. On January 31st, 1974, 21-year-old Linda Healy was abducted from the U District, yet again the U District, out of her house. Her roommates didn't hear anything until the morning when her alarm was going off unchecked. When the radio station that she worked for called to find out where she was, they knew that there was a problem. It wasn't until police pulled back the covers on the neatly made bed that they found the blood. Yikes. Yeah. Aside from the bloody nightgown left in the closet, they had no trace of Linda. Linda, a sister, singer, friend, and light of the lives of many was gone without a trace. And what was horrifying on top of that was she had several roommates that all slept in the house during this occasion. I wonder if they look at the end of Ted Bundy's adventures in psychopathy and horror and think to themselves, but there for the grace of God, go they. Right, or what if I'd woken up? Hmm. Could I have either stopped him or would I have been victim number two? Exactly. On March 12th, 1974, 19-year-old Donna Manson goes missing while attending Evergreen State College. On April 18th, 1974, 18-year-old Susan Rancourt disappeared on campus while walking back from the library. She was a daughter, sister, martial arts hobbyist, and volunteer campus police aide. The only trace of what happened was a rumor of a man with his arm in bandages approaching women for help at the library. Ted, a student of psychology, was very aware of the female's penchant to want to help others, and his M.O. was targeting just that. Remember, ladies, just because centuries of societal conditioning tells us to be polite and submit to the male gender doesn't mean we actually should. You do not owe anyone shit, and there is no reason for anyone to ask you for help. On May 6th, 1974, Roberta Kathy Parks 20 years old, known as Kathy by her friends, disappears while attending Oregon State University. On June 1st, 1974, 22-year-old Brenda Ball was abducted on her way home. She was last seen with a guy with a cast on his arm in the wee hours of the morning. Like 1 a.m.-ish. June 11th, 1974, just 10 days later, beautiful and vivacious 18-year-old George Ann Hawkins, 
disappeared. Her friends called her George. She was picked up outside of her sorority house when he asked her to help him carry a briefcase. When they got to his car, he knocked her upside her head with crowbar, and then he handcuffed her. He put her in the passenger seat and then left. When she regained consciousness, she tried to talk to him. Then this absolute monster bludgeoned, strangled, and decapitated her. And hearing him talk about it is one of the most disturbing things that will ever haunt my ear holes. One of her roommates and her closest friends, Phyllis Armstrong, was approached by Bundy 10 days earlier on June 1st, 1974. In the docuseries, Ted Bundy Falling for a Killer, she recounts the events. Bundy was in a leg cast with crutches and asked her to help him with his car. She was actually in his car when she listened to that creepy crawling of her lizard brain, realized something wasn't right, and literally ran away. Talk about a horrible level of survivor's guilt. I can't imagine. Right? I mean, that was her friend, and she came so close to being a victim. But to then have her best friend be taken 10 days later, my heart breaks for her. And it sucks that, like, okay, wanting to help people is actually, like, a cool thing to yeah. encourage people, right? Yeah. Like, all of these are people who were just trying to help somebody. Like, you know, oh, man, this guy's, you know, injured. Like, that's, a, that's actually a very beautiful part of human instinct is our desire to help injured or weaker um, members of our species. And this absolute sack of diarrhea turds like exploits this as a way to lure women into his clutches and kill them. Just fuck this guy. Fuck him. You know? Right in the air. I hope Satan is down there having a Ted Bundy pig roast nightly. It was with George's disappearance that the police finally connected the co-ed disappearances together. Eventually, Bundy would end up with the moniker the co-ed killer. One of the biggest reasons Bundy is so well known is because of his audacious crimes, including the double murder at Lake Sammamish on the 4th of July, 1974. At Lake Sammamish on the 4th of July, there were 40,000 people that day in the park celebrating. 40,000, which left plenty of witnesses and some of those witnesses saw Janice Ott approached while she was sunbathing by a, I kid you not, this is in quotes, good-looking young man with a cast on his arm. Ugh. He asked her to help him put a sailboat onto his car in the parking lot. They saw that it was a bronze Volkswagen. No one knows how he actually got her into the car, but he had a pretty standard M.O. and most likely he hit her upside the head. As brazen as a crime as that already was, he then did something that really set him apart from other murderers, which, oh, good on you, Ted. Could you just not? You, you could just not. Maybe you set yourself apart from other murderers by not murdering. That, that would be a great way. Right? That would be fantastic. And he went back to Lake Sammamish Park 
filled with 40,000 people where he abducted Denise Nasland. She was 18 and disappeared from a bathroom after a small fight with her boyfriend. Witnesses heard him say his name was Ted with a British accent. Uh, oh, God. I just, I, what a douche. Sorry. I'm just having it. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it was probably a bad accent, too, right? Oh, good day, love. Oh, could you help me with my, my sailboat? What, what? Ugh. Ugh. Sorry. These witnesses were also where the first sketches came from. The famous Ted sketches. They came from these witnesses at Sammamish Park that day. These sketches generated 3,500 tips to be called into the police. Every single one of those tips, the police had to run them down. Now, you may wonder, why did it take so long for them to catch this guy? Well, first off, you clearly don't know the Seattle PD. Second off... (laughs) (laughs) They have a history of being truly terrible at their jobs. And hey... Guys, I appreciate a good police officer who's out there trying to do us good. And no shade, really, to the Seattle PD. But your track record ain't that great. Nope. Anyhow. Oh, I mean, it's good at, like, violating people's rights. But at, like, catching major killers? <laughs> yeah. You just say that because you've been based. Oh, <laughs> oh Seattle. Oh, bless your heart. So it was a different time. They didn't have the kind of technology we have today. And they didn't even have the kind of computer systems we have today to keep track of all this shit. So they were like paper, pen, typewriter. This is the time when there still were not female FBI agents. I mean, we're, we're going back when the fight was rape is a crime. Okay. You know, where we're about to go back to again. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, do you feel like the 70s is happening again? I do. I actually I, had this uh, whole conversation with Justin the it. other day. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. I, I managed to like be a little tiny kid in my little tiny portion of the 70s. So I missed all this shit. And yet now I have to experience it in my 40s. I don't want... I wasn't even in the 70s. I, I didn't have to deal with any of the 70s. No. Well, okay. Will groovy polyester leisure suits come back? Because... I'm almost willing to go for that, you know? My cat climbed someplace she wasn't supposed to, and I just watched her tippy-toe and get stuck tippy-toeing. <laughs> oh, your cat is, st- is stuck? Oh, she got down eventually, okay. but she stood there for like a minute, tippy-toeing back and forth on between her four toes, like wobbling, like, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we didn't have the technology back then so 3,500 tips when they didn't even have a full task force yet that's that's a lot that's yeah, a lot like I I will cut I'm cutting you slack SPD because that's yeah that and that's a lot of manpower because Seattle was not nearly as large a city as it is today mm-hmm. you know so like imagine just what an enormous volume that is from a much smaller place than it is today like that seems like a lot of tips today imagine us having half the population yeah that we do and then that many tips comes in i mean how, how many cops do they even have to chase all of this down not enough 
damn it, you're you're making me be like an apologist for the cops. But yeah, yeah, in this case, this particular thing, I will say yes, I get it. Yeah, exactly. However, I do have to give the Seattle PD credit as well, because it was between this and GRK that they ended up actually kind of creating a pretty robust crime tracking computer system because they had to. And we are a computer town, so all right, okay. I'll get I give you this one thing one thing. You get one. You get one SPD. You get one. So Ted's longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Koffler, thought that she recognized him from the sketch. She was worried that he might be upset if he found out that she called in a tip that it might be him. I mean she really didn't believe it. Can you fucking imagine believing in someone right? so much that you know but still doubt the truth with the sketch? Like, that's that's intense. Well, like, I just think about that. Like, I'm like, okay, if somebody was like, some horrible murderer abducted, abducted and murdered two lovely young women at the, you know, at the park. And then it was like, Wilhelm. And I was like, I'd be like, a, a tall, purple-haired dude who... Looked a little Teutonic. I would be like, no. Like, I feel like you'd have to be like, you know, my my spouse is a little sketch. Like, they go away a lot and they, eh. like, there'd have to be something more than, gosh, that kind of looks like my spouse to make a person think to themselves, I will call the, I will call in a tip on the person that I sleep next to, you know? Yeah. And, Hearing her interview in the documentary that I, I mentioned earlier, Falling for a Killer, it's, wow, I feel really bad for her. I feel really bad for her. Like many of us would, she retreated into the bottle because that's all she could. And, you know, I'm impressed that she made it out the other side. Anyway, she showed the picture to her friend Mary Lynn who then called the tip into the cops for her and when she spoke to them she asked if they were sure that the Volkswagen was bronze and not beige because Ted had a beige Volkswagen and they assured her that it was bronze. Jesus Christ this is just semantics. And so they must have the wrong Ted. Okay, now I'm rescinding my, my, you get one. You get like 0.5 SPD, you get 0.5. Well, there were other people who called in who knew him and, and later went on record as calling in a tip. And they too, they reported that his Volkswagen was beige and not bronze. And the police were like, oh, it's not him. Because, you know, eyewitnesses are never wrong about a color. Also, like, I had to study shit like color theory and beige and bronze are, that's, yeah, there's. Subjective. Yeah, kind of. I think about the the blue versus bronze or gold dress thing, right? Remember that on online? Yeah. So, like, I think I'd be like, drives any kind of lightish colored in the brown family Volkswagen. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. But I guess, you know, 3000, they're like, we're just trying to make it as narrow as possible. I guess. I don't know. I just, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Hindsight is 2020, but there's just, there's so much maddening, like whoopsie daisy that, and not even just in the Ted Bundy case, but so many of these like classic serial killer 
type things of like the 1970s and 80s where it just feels like there's so much whoops-a-daisy that goes on that um, just is maddening, you know, about like people not believing victims or just cops not being talking from one jurisdiction to the other that it just it really it gets maddening and then i also wonder you know have we fixed these problems today i I don't know that we have you know i don't know that we have you know i'm just happy that we no longer have to wait 48 hours before reporting somebody freaking missing because that was one of the biggest misses that we have had in the last 40 years yeah that is so asinine. I want to believe things are getting better, and I think they are incrementally, but still, like, oi, oi. Yeah. Anyhow, so I highly recommend watching the docuseries Ted Bundy Falling for a Killer. It gives excellent insight into the perspective of the victims, and it, that extends to his brother Richard and Molly and Elizabeth Kendall, formerly Koffler, who were his girlfriend Elizabeth at the time and her daughter Molly the thing about Bundy was that he man he was brazen his brazenness and adamant denial once he was caught was part of the reason he managed to fool so many people and keep so many convinced of his innocence for so long on September 19th 1974 in Issaquah Not too far from Seattle, human remains were found by a group of forestry students. Which, by the way, being a forestry student here in the Pacific Northwest would be both amazing and horrifying, in my opinion. Yeah, just so many opportunities to find human remains out in the forest. It's all about those human remains. There were remains of three young women. And they all showed signs of skull fractures and blunt force trauma. The remains were identified as Janice Ott, Denise Nasland, and the third skull found was Georgiana Hawkins. George had a broken jaw and skull fractures, and this lines up with his account of what he did to her. Bundy, despite the fact that he left witnesses and used his real name and car, was pretty careful not to leave behind any other evidence. So he wasn't linked to these girls. Aside from the tips, they had nothing. He even made a point to drive around and toss their clothing out the window along the drive so that it wouldn't be found. And I'm not going to lie, after learning that fact, I haven't looked at some piece of clothing on the road the same way twice. And it's amazing how many articles of clothing you see on the road here in Seattle. Right? Once I started noticing it, it was like the yellow car syndrome. While in Washington, Ted was an avid practitioner in Republican politics. The bumper stickers that you see that say Bundy was a Republican? Yeah, those are true. He worked on the governor's campaign and was even involved in a small scandal because he was covertly following the Republican candidate's opponent. I know, right? He had a lot of fun with it, dressing up and being spy-like. Ugh. Yeah. Again, fuck this guy. 
this fucking guy. Make no mistake, though. He had true political aspirations and pursued his education in law because of it. In August of 1974, Bundy moved to Utah to go to law school at the University of Utah. His girlfriend Elizabeth was devastated, but it didn't cause them to completely end their relationship. After Ted relocated, he channeled his interest in Mormonism to his advantage, and much like his cooking prowess and his ability to charm others, he used them to gain a friend group that would stand by him during his later court proceedings in Utah. He actually joked around with that group of friends from the church in Utah about the Ted killings in Washington by holding up the composite sketch next to each of them because the killings were just such horrific news. They were talking about what they'd do if they caught the guy and who does he look like and they held it up to each one of them and they said it looked like somebody else in the group and no one thought it looked like Bundy. Ugh. Do you suppose if he hadn't been caught, you know, and he had managed to become successfully a lawyer, which again... Maybe Ted Cruz? Uh, or do you think he'd end up on the Supreme Court? Because that, that seems par for the course these days. No. <laughs> uh, after a while, Ted told the group that he knows how someone could get away with those crimes. Since the cops didn't communicate, you just needed to abduct them from one county, dump the clothes in another county, dump the tools you use in another county, and then dump the body in another county altogether. And the friends, that friend group, they just laughed it off. Ha 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 ha. I mean, okay, again, oh God, I hate that I'm defending Ted Bundy. To be fair, this feels like a conversation we would have, and we're not that I am aware of serial killers, right? Oh yeah, yeah, this is totally a conversation that we would have. It is one of those moments where I went, Oh my God, that is straight out of something that we would do. Yeah, it's pretty Bundy-like on our... Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't want to be like Bundy. But I promise I've never murdered anybody. Nope. Don't be like Bundy. Nope, nope. I live in Seattle, but I am in no way like Ted Bundy. I'm carbon-based, and that's where the that similarities end. This guy's fucking brazenness. Utah is where my most recent game of Five Degrees of Bundy begins. A friend of mine, a gamer friend of mine, has an aunt that was almost taken by Bundy there. With all of the cases that I know where someone who knows someone who was almost a Bundy victim and got away, it really makes me question how many unknown victims there are out there. Because... Right? Because I have a former co-worker at the market who has a really chilling tale. Like, cops came. The cops were like, you know what? You should probably move out of this basement, ground floor apartment in the U District with your long brown parted in the middle hair. Yeah, you should probably move somewhere else, lady. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. it's the, Yeah, he's fucking guys everywhere yeah i just i i have to imagine that there are so many it's so easy to hide a body out here Mm -hmm. right the west is large the west is wild yeah so 
I, I can't imagine that there isn't at least a few unfound victims of this asshole, you know? Oh, and I don't know if you guys have been clocking it or not, but how quickly he's taking victims. Yep. Yeah, how much he's escalating. Yeah, yep. he's, he's very prolific. On October 2nd, 1974, 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox disappeared. Only six days later, on October 18th, 17-year-old Melissa Smith goes missing. Then, on October 31st, only 23 days after, 17-year-old Laura Amy disappears. Then, on November 8th, 1974, nine days after his last attack, he approaches a young 18-year-old Carol Ann DeRanche inside a Walden's bookstore. Remember Walden's? Uh, oh my god, I was just like, I love Wal I loved Walden books. That was like the best. Oh my god, yes. Walden books in an orange Julius. Oh my god. Reasons to go to the mall. R.I.P. Walden's. Right? And it was a mall. It's called the Fashion Place Mall, actually, which is the most epic name that just screams that time period so bundy identifies himself to her as an officer officer roseland and tells her that he needs her to come with him because somebody has been caught trying to break into her car he wanted her to check her car with him and see if there was anything missing once she confirmed that nothing was missing he asked if she would be willing to accompany him to a substation in the mall where the suspect was so she could fill out a complaint. He then walked with her across the street to another building, walked around the back of the building and tried to open the door. But when it was locked and no one answered his knock, he told her that they must have been they must have taken the suspect down to the police station since no one was there and would she mind riding with him down to the station she asked him to see id because hey that's smart yep and he flips open his wallet and shows her a badge that allayed her concerns enough to get her into his beige volkswagen with, not bronze yeah not bronze which might have made sense if he were an undercover cop sure uh -huh. why not and we're just so trained to obey authority yeah you know don't question authority cops tell you to go you do whatever the cops tell you yeah you don't want to be in trouble do you you want to be a good citizen don't you carol ann felt that lizard brain kicking in almost immediately after the door closed and she realized that she had made a mistake they were almost halfway to the police station when he pulled over to the side of the road and wordlessly just attacked her. Yikes. So one thing that everybody consistently says about Bundy, when they saw the switch flip, they said he just turned dark. It was like his blue eyes turned black his entire persona changed and he just became dark and part of me would like to believe this part of me would part of me thinks that maybe his 
just very presence, his aura, the energy he was giving off, it became that menacing dark cloud of death. Do I think his eyes turned black? Probably not. Did they go really darker and maybe his pupils get real big because he was excited? Probably. Yeah, he's not like a demon no. or anything like that. It's not like we're like supernatural or anything like that. Yeah. But that is how he came at her in that moment. He managed to get a handcuff on one hand and she was fighting him as hard as she could. He pulled out a gun and told her that he would blow her head off if she kept fighting. But who amongst us really believes Bundy would have let her live if she sat still? Right? I know I personally would do exactly what she did and keep fighting. Always fight back. She somehow managed to open the passenger door and they started fighting outside of the car. He was attempting to hit her with a crowbar, but she ran to a car oncoming from the opposite direction and literally jumped into the stranger's car screaming for help. Wow. What a badass though, right? Right? I'm like, go instinct. I always listen to that lizard brain, man. Always listen to that lizard brain. My lizard brain at this point is like any human I don't know, especially one without a mask. I'm like, bitch, bye. 17-year-old <laughs> Deborah Kent went to school to a play on November 8th, 1974, same evening, at Viewmont High School in Bountiful, Utah, expecting to spend a fun evening with her family. She had no idea that a terrifying predator was on the prowl with renewed determination after his last victim had slipped through his grasp. Her parents asked her to do what so many of us elder siblings have done and go pick up her brother from a skating rink. Talk about guilt. You know they must have felt it. Right? It wasn't until later when they left the play for the evening that they noticed that her car was still in the parking lot. You know, I think about her brother in this moment who was left abandoned at that skating rink wondering why no one was picking him up only to find this in return. That must have been a terrible night. Because, yeah, not only did he end the lives of so many of his victims, he also truly fucked up and just disturbed and upset. I don't want to say ruined, but really put a pall in the lives of all the people that love the people that this asshole killed for his own shits and giggles. There were like, so just, many ugh. victims just fuck this guy. Yeah. The family, the friends, everyone who loved these women. Fuck this guy. And I just keep noticing that, like, the ages of his victims keep kind of getting younger. You know, is that just... They're, they bounce between 12 and 26. Yeah, and it's just interesting to me that, like, okay, he was going after co-eds in the Pacific Northwest... But then in Utah, because maybe he just, there weren't as many colleges with young women in them, he started to go after uh, teenage girls, like high school mm -hmm. girls. Mm -hmm. You know, like just an interesting difference in demographics. Because isn't Utah like the state that has the youngest population in in the you know fifty states? Because Mormons do have a lot of kids. 
That might track. Yeah. I mean, this does track in my brain. I don't know yeah. if this is fact or not. But I think so. it's definitely one of the states that has the, the you know, what, what av- most youngest average population mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. Well, you know, I think he, he, he considered himself a hunter. Like, if you listen to... And, oh, God, there's so many hours of his I bullshit. do not want to hear his shit-ass voice. Don't. Fuck you, Ted Bundy. Ain't listening to you. Haha, ha, I win. That's how I win. Hi, folks. Regina here. We realized that this episode was running a bit long, and so we decided to break it into two parts. That way we could truly give it the attention that it deserves. Thank you for joining us for the first episode. We hope you will come back for the second episode. And remember, you might be disturbed, but you're not alone. Thanks for listening, friends. Please remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check us out on social media. On Facebook, we are the Disturbing Interest Podcast. Twitter, podcast underscore DI. Instagram, DI Podcast. Or if you really want to send us something, you can send it to our P.O. Box at 70515 Seattle, Washington, 98127.